From the Not A Foodie studio, which is not actually a studio, it's my bedroom, it's Mike's bedroom, it's a Zoom meeting, it's iPhones, it's recorders and microphones and headphones, because that's the world we live in now. It's the Not A Foodie show. I am Tommy Alley. I am one of your hosts, along with, uh, what, what do you call yourself now? I, I guess for the pod, it'll still be Mike Maranti. Okay. But... I've gone through a, a serious rebranding of self. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's Mikey Pomodoro. <laughs> it's, so it, so we're, we're here with Mike Moretti, a.k.a. Mikey Pomodoro, a.k.a. Mikey Meatball, a.k.a. Mix Master Marinara, a.k.a. <laughs> you got any other, any other names that you want to... Young Prejute. Young Prejute. <laughs> it's Mike Moretti. Um, <laughs> so, Mike, I, I think... This is um, this podcast. I think is a long time coming. We haven't recorded in a long time, um, but I wanted to. I wanted to talk because you know you and I have spoken about just sort of rebranding the podcast a little bit and doing. Mm-hmm. I think that the restaurant world, the way that it is, the food world, the way that it is. I think there are a lot of cracks were sort of revealed over the past year to to the to the like world, not yes. to people that are in it already. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, to but also like. To society, like society, there no, that, that's cracks, what I mean. Like, like in society, like not to, like everyone that's worked in restaurants knows this already. Yeah, so I feel like I, I, you know, like I wanted to. You and I have spoken about this, like rebranding the podcast and sort of re switching the format up a little bit. I think we want to do um, a lot more interviews and focus on sort of smaller businesses mm-hmm. inside the inside the food inside the restaurant industry inside the food production community. Um, so, like, I think. You know, looking for like more interviews with um, like things that I've done over the the pandemic, or you know, hang out with oyster farmers and chicken farmers and snail farmers, and you know, and food producers like that, and people who are doing small pop ups and things like that. I love those sorts of stories, and I think that one of the one of the things that was that we've sort of gelled on, even though you and I haven't seen each other in person in fucking forever. Uh, I, I think remember. since February. Wow. Yeah. I was at your house. Coronavirus was a thing, mm-hmm. and you're like, and we did a fist bump to leave. Did we? Is that it? Oh, yeah, man. you're like, I'm not doing handshakes anymore. I'm like, okay. Oh yes, because it was going to be right before your birthday, and I remember. Yeah, yeah, it was right. My birthday was the weekend. Everything went and, to shit. And I think I called you, and I was like, Ah, dude, I'm not going to your birthday. I'm sorry. Like, I, I was like, Yeah, you, you win thirty other people. Like, <laughs> I get it. Like, it's. I've been getting these calls all day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but anyway. While while all of this craziness was going on, um, you know, all, a lot of people in the restaurant industry have pivoted to do different things. And one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today was Mikey Pomodoro and what you're doing mm-hmm. with that. So why don't you tell the audience, you know, what who's Mikey Pomodoro, what it is, and yeah. what you're doing. So everyone knows I'm a front of house guy forever and ever and ever. But everyone also knows I'm a pretty serious home cook. And you can't really make money being like a freelance front of house guy. Like you could be like a bartender at like events and stuff, but like you can't be like a freelance restaurant manager. Right. And 
uh, I, I kind of needed to pivot and I was cooking a lot and posting a lot of photos and people were like, you need to cook for me. And I was like, okay, uh, we could do that for money. And so I've been doing this private chef thing for a little bit and it's, it's good, but it's not as busy as I would like it to be because pandemic and I, I started doing these little, um, DIY renegade punk rock pop-ups in Brooklyn and uh, at a speakeasy, outdoor speakeasy, and I was doing the chicky parm sliders there, and they kind of developed like this cult following. Everyone loved them, and I started selling the kits, the chicky parm kits, and it's all kind of uh, culminated to this pop up series that I'm doing uh, every Sunday in February. Nice. Um, and that's and at, that's in Forest Hills, right? This is in Forest Hills. This is at Metro Taco, um, Forest Hills which Queens. used to hold. Yeah. Metro Taco, when I was growing up, was a spot called Tuto Bene. Mm-hmm. And that was my first job. And I think I've still had more meals at Tuto Bene than I've had anywhere else in the world. Nice. And uh, so it's all come very full circle. This is your home. Um, yeah. The owner of the restaurant, Matt Lantos, he's a neighborhood guy too. Uh, so I grew up with his little sister. So it's like very Queens. Nice. Uh, and so we put together this really great nine item menu. Rice balls, meatballs, string beans, chicky parm sliders. You know what mozzarella and carrozza is? Of course. It's like yeah. it's the real it's a version deep of fried a, grilled cheese. Yeah, it's a real version of what uh, mozzarella sticks turned out to be in the United yeah. States. Yeah. It's it's a giant mozzarella stick sandwich. Oh my god, it's um, awesome. Uh th- we're doing a dish called chicken tutto bene, which is kind of like uh reimagined. You can't really do like a chicken piccata sandwich. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's grilled chicken thigh with a piccata aioli and then arugula and capers. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's really like healthy. Um, <laughs> can I can I make a suggestion? Meatball- can I make a suggestion? Yeah. You should put an option to for an extra, you know, few dollars. You can combine the mozzarella and carrozza with something else on the menu to make it a sandwich. This way, you've got like chicky parm sliders. Oh, like two mozzarella. Two mozzarella. I mean. Then we're KFCing the whole thing, but I think that's the fucking move right there. Secret menu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, if someone wants to order two mozzarella and carrozzas and a chicken parm slider and say use the mozzarella and carrozzas yeah. for the bread, sure. It's called done. the Miali. <laughs> <laughs> that that cross section though, that down. Oh my god. Down like, the that's, what that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at that on Instagram. That's like millions of hits right there. Uh, that's it. You gotta uh, do it. <laughs> <laughs> then um, a meatball parm hero just – it wasn't on the menu originally, but then I was like, we have all the things. Yeah, do it. So we just put it on. Uh, and then Bucatini straight from Italy nice. uh, from Gragnano uh, in uh, in my pomodoro sauce. So this dish is vegan. And then the uh, rigatoni in a spicy vodka sauce, caramelized onions, Calabrian peppers, and hella soy um, Hellasoy vodka, habanero vodka. Nice. In there as well. My friend Noah from Hellasoy. I love the. Hel- mm-hmm. I've been talking to Noah quite a bit. We I, weirdly enough, I didn't. I haven't told you this, but one of Noah's close friends bought the house next door to mine out in Southold. Like, oh, that's why. Yeah, Do you think so... he bought it because he like showed Noah? And Noah's like, oh, I know this place is awesome. <laughs> no, the, the, I, Noah was talking to this person, and and Noah, you know, the, she said like, what's Cor- your what's your address and she said the address and i was like i think i know someone who lives you know on that block 
and it's the actual it's a next door neighbor. So um, next year my block party is going to be sponsored by Hella Soy Vodka, and we're gonna have Perfect. a big party. But uh, but yeah, no, we I love I love the the Hella Soy stuff. Hella Soy. No, when I go to the same gym. Oh, do well, you? We went to the same. We went to the same gym. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> this is not a, a paid advertisement for Hella Soy, but I really do. I like. We just like Noah. I know. I like Noah. I like. I like his. Um, so this year they came out with like they started with the Hella, the Hella Soy pepper, the habanero vodka. This mm-hmm. year they have like uh, they they went with a regular vodka, like and it's a really clean tasting vodka. And I am not a vodka person, but I use it for I use it for doing like vodka um, oyster shooters. I put a little drizzle mm-hmm. of vodka on top of my oysters, and it's it's delicious. So. My friend makes pie crust with vodka. Oh yeah, yeah. It's bakers use it all the time because it's it's flavorless and it creates like lightness and flaky in the um in the crust. And, and it from it baking out to like the the, the way that it like yeah. bake yeah it makes it even flakier yeah, yeah it makes it flaky because so the combination of butter and vodka so instead of using water and the water having to like steam out you use vodka where everything just evaporates really quickly. So butter and vodka is a great name for a cookbook. <laughs> Butter and vodka. <laughs> By the way, I got um, I got two really great cookbooks for Christmas this year. Um, I'm, yeah, the I saw you. You're cooking through one of them. Nick Sharma's book, um, which is the flavor equation. Oh man, like it, it's really great. Like everyday type meals. Like you don't have to really do deep dives into the stuff, but it's with ingredients that you would not um that you would not think go together. Like I made this crazy cardamom crusted steak the other night with some really um like charred vegetable like a cold charred vegetable salad tom it was insane tell him why you have tell him why you have so much cardamom in your house you're not indian you're not cooking indian food no I'm, why do you guys have so much cardamom it's, it's the nords it's the vikings it's uh <laughs> my my norwegian in-laws my my wife and her side of the family are uh it's it's like a weird it's got to be a weird colonial sort of like spice trade thing where cardamom is just like incorporated in almost every Nordic recipe. And you just, it's crazy. You just keep cardamom on hand at all times. Uh, and, and we've got black cardamom, we've got green cardamom, we've got cardamom powder, <laughs> we've got like I have more cardamom in my house than like any white person should. Uh, any white non-Norwegian person should. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely like it's got to be some weird colonial like spice trade oh the, the spice trade yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's crazy but anyway nick sharma's book is awesome because it's also like a textbook like it tells you you know there's th- three or four pages on like the heat and this is totally made up are you learning things oh, from yeah. not oh, not totally. the cooking stuff the, the other part of it totally yeah totally it's like you know that's big the bitterness you know factor of how you heat this one, you know, garlic. If you heat it this way, then it's bitter. If you heat it this mm-hmm. way, it's sweet. If you heat it this way, it's caramelized and, and spicy. And, you know, like it's just things like that are in this book that are that are phenomenal. Uh, the other book that I got is like the complete opposite. It's the um, the pie book. Um, what's his face? The Pie Room, Chef Callum, Callum Franklin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I got his book and that's that's awesome. But that's like very British um, beef wellingtons and, you know, po- savory pies. So. That's been awesome. And that's probably like uh, stuff that you have to like read on Monday and be like, I'm going to make this on Saturday. And like you need a few days to prepare things just for like naturally too. Yeah, like, usually like you need two days to create um, just a dough or a pie crust or something, yeah. you know. So like 
you know, he's got the ultimate beef Wellington in there, and which we had on Christmas Day, I believe, which was you know phenomenal. And we did this like chicken and leek and mushroom pie, which was really cool. So it's a very winter, that's very up my alley. Winter cookbook, yeah, it was. It's really good. It's very British. Um, like when you go to when you go to soccer matches, you go to football matches in the UK. Um, like we have a hot dog and a beer. Like they have a pint and a pie, and that's that's mm-hmm. just what you get. So you get these little hand pies. And this cookbook is like a fancy version of those hand pies. Like, awesome nice. stuff. Yeah. So, that's good. I'm trying to think, uh, what else have you been up to during food-related stuff during the pandemic? I'm just cooking things and learning things. And, like, I, honestly, there was a big time where I was burnt out for a while. Um, yeah, we I, all were. And, <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I, I got um, a an Instapot duo. So it's an air fryer and an Instapot. So I've been making the chicken stock with the Instapot. And then I like just air fry chicken thighs. And I've just been like batch cooking like good food. Cool. Um, With that blizzard, I just ordered two days worth of Chinese food because I didn't want to have to think or do anything during a blizzard. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you can hear, but there's definitely shoveling going on outside my door right now. It's uh, we're, we're on day two of the blizzard when we, as we record this. It's a, it's like, maybe it'll snow more. Maybe it won't. Yeah. I don't know. No one knows. knows? (laughs) Time will tell. Um, I, so one of the things that I, first of all, Cooking chicken stock in the instant pot is is a game changer. Instead of it taking eight hours, you know, forty five. It takes minutes like two. Whatever. It, it takes forty five minutes for it to cook, but it takes that time for it to like adjust and get ready yeah, and everything. Yeah, it's cool down. You know. And I always feel like I'm fucking up, and like I don't understand how to use the robot that is the instant pot. And also, when it like expels air, it winds up taking like chicken stock with it, so it's kind of gross. <laughs> well, so like so just like a bukkake scene. Do, ugh, not gross, not ideal. Gross. <laughs> Did you know? Um, I'm I'm just gonna pretend you didn't say that. I'm gonna like ignore it. Um, so if you if you let it naturally release now now I can't because I'm gonna use the word release a bunch of times. <laughs> but if you if you let it naturally release instead of forcing the release instead of you know yeah. stoking the release if you will. Um, no, but if you if you let it like naturally cool down and release, um, it's not gonna do anything to the flavor. But it gives it a the, the broth just is clearer, so you get this like mm. really clear, refined broth. You'll probably get a little bit more flavor just because it's sitting in there for a longer period I'll do, of time. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll do it in the morning. There's the bodega next to me; they sell chicken feet, so I go buy a pound of chicken feet and all the vegetables, and I just let it. Yeah, rot. that's the way to do it. The other thing is, yeah. um, I don't know. Do you do you peel your onions when you put them in, or you just put put whole yeah. onions? Because if you put the onion skin in, it'll with the skin. Yeah, the onion skin will not have an impact on the flavor, um, but it will give the stock a deeper golden color. Yeah, cool. Anything that I can do that's less work and makes my life better. Exactly. That's, exactly. That, that's kind of my brand. <laughs> um. Cool. I'm trying to think like what I've I, so I've just become um, I've just become friends with like farmers and food producers and I've got an oyster farm now. Um, that's what I've been doing over the, the past year <laughs> or however long it's been. How long do they take to mature? Um, so I got at the beginning of this season, at the beginning of the spring, I got 500 little little tiny oysters that are the size of like 
small, like half a pinky nail, right? Like a dime? No, less. Like tiny, 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 right? Okay. So I got 500 of those, and then I got 500 ones that are like the size of like your thumb, maybe. Like just the half of your thumb, right? Okay. Um, those 500 are ready now. Like I, I can go and just take them out of the water whenever. I've been eating those since probably September or October, right? Um, the other ones, the little babies, will be ready this spring. So usually they take a year to a year and a half to, to mature. Um, but it's they're good. And they're delicious. So how do they reproduce? They reproduce naturally in like the they're, uh, and the biology of it is, you know, is crazy weird. I don't think you could tell a male or a female. I think they change sex. I think like so they spawn. They if you, you go mm. watch videos, it's crazy. It's just like it looks like they're shooting out sand. But it's really like they're shooting out little eggs that attach to other oysters, and then they grow on other oysters. But what I do is I work with the Cornell Cooperative out um, out in Suffolk County, and so it's like an oyster co-op. So they actually grow them from like they spawn them, they grow the algae to feed them, they like do everything mm-hmm. inside their lab, and then they give them to you when they're the size of you know half of a pinky nail, um, and then you raise them and take care of them because at that point. You still need to do a lot of work on them, but, you know, it's not like you're putting little tadpoles yeah. in, in the ocean. You know? Well, I, I just didn't know if those 500 were going to spawn more or if that was like... They will, but they probably won't stay in my cage because they'll mm-hmm. spawn while they're there, while they're in their oyster cage, but nothing will hold inside that cage. It'll go out into the water. And that's Word. that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons why but that's it's good. good to have these oyster yeah. farms because they go out there, oysters are natural filterers, they, you know, they clean out the bays, they clean out the areas where they are. And uh, so that's, that's what I've been doing. I've been doing that. I've been doing a lot of farming. I grew Calabrian chili peppers. Um, next year, I, I made some mistakes this year. Next year, I'll have a bumper crop and I'll, I'll give you some for your, uh, for your pop-up. Uh, Sick. Yeah. And, yeah, that's that's sort of what, what I've been up to. I've been upping my um, my fresh pasta making game. And I think... That's really good. Like, I've been doing a lot of fresh pasta. Oh, I, I taught a, um, an online gnocchi making class a few weeks ago, which was fun. Like, people saw, you know, some old colleagues of mine saw that I make a lot of fresh pasta. And they said, hey... You know, we're not having holiday parties this year. Maybe you can do like a let's hang out, let's make some pasta, let's drink some wine together Zoom session. So it's like, you know, 30, 40 people. We all got together on Zoom and uh, and made some fresh gnocchi, and which was – it was cool and it and, was so much fun, but it was challenging because – And you put your kids to work too, I, right? I put my daughter to work. They were like your work. sous chefs. I put my daughter yeah. to work. She was, she was with me and she was like – she was my assistant. It was cool. I turned my kitchen into a little studio. I had like multiple camera angles. I had my phone was like was uh, focused on the cutting board so people could see me rolling things. And then I had my iPad, which like was a direct shot. So I, it was it was cool. It was it was a good time. And it was more fun than um, than uh, not that I didn't think it was going to be fun, but I had more of, more of a blast than I thought I would doing it. And I would absolutely consider doing it again, you know, if. As long as this keeps going on, I'll do virtual classes, you know? Yeah, we gotta, we all gotta go and grind. <laughs> I, um, I'm looking, so the 2021 for me is all about proof of concept for Mikey Pomodoro. Yep. And it's not so much about, like, I don't wanna, like, go broke, but it's not so much about making money as it is about proving the concept. 
and then we'll see where things the, so this um this pop-up series is the first part of it and after we have this down we'll figure out what the next move is i don't think i'm gonna live in manhattan and again after my lease is up and i don't know if i'm gonna move back to queens or if i'm gonna wind up somewhere totally different yeah i'll see where the world takes me i but, hear you um yeah i mean manhattan's just a different place right now the whole city's a different place right now well there, there's just no reason to be here yeah i hear that. and now that it's so cold there's really no reason <laughs> Well, and I think that I think that it'll all come back. I am. I, it'll, oh, of it course, of course back. it will. But in the near near term, for you know, for what you're trying to do, it absolutely makes sense to go go out and try to find something else. You know, honestly, I think it makes a lot more sense to go to a place that isn't uh, so Italian as well. Someplace said, um, "We'll enjoy the like, Italian food, but it's not." Um, I mean, New York, its history is Italian food, right? Like, New York is yeah. where Italian food, Americanized Italian food was invented mm-hmm. here in New Jersey, you know? that That's why Dallas looks really good. Yeah, I know. You've been talking about Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you went to Dallas over the, you know, a couple months ago. Yeah. So. It, it, I don't know. There's a lot of things to look at, but Dallas is, like, really high up on there. Cool. But I don't know. We'll see. There's a lot going to happen. We're, we're also shopping for residencies in New York at a bar in Brooklyn or Lower East Side where we can cook and then they can stay open. So nice. nice. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I have to say that one of the things that um, is my great shame is that I have never tasted your food. Yeah, but there's a, a pandemic. Well, I mean, yeah. And, and it's, <laughs> and it's, I, I pretty much moved. I was like, I was out living yeah. out on Eastern Long Island for, for months. And um, I would, I would come back to the city for a day at a time. And it was like, you know, it was never it never jived with our schedules. And even now that you're going to be in Forest Hills, like around the block from me, uh, it coincides with my kids being on vacation from school. So I think we're probably going to go back out to Long Island. But I'm going to I'm going to try to make it happen. Over you'll the month you'll make February. the drive one Sunday. Yeah, It'll, the the first two Sundays are Super Bowl Sunday and then Valentine's Day. So I'm not ordering that much. I'm expecting actually kind of to like sell out mm-hmm. and not like do much in sales or anything because we're playing it very safe on those two yep and then the 21st and the 28th we're probably gonna up everything order more maybe expand the menu maybe add a des- we're, we're maybe gonna add a dessert for uh valentine's day also indoor dining might come back and then i'll have one table in the restaurant but that's like i don't know it also might not come back yeah so <laughs> who knows <laughs> i'm not holding my breath well I think, um, I think you know, moving forward, I can't wait to, to taste your stuff. I can't wait to see what happens with Mikey Pomodoro. Um, I can't wait to see what's, what happens with the podcast. I think that I've got some good ideas. I know you and I have talked about just interviewing some really interesting people, getting them on uh, to just talk more about, like, food production and, and like, important stuff in the food industry. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. Anything else you want to add? Come... Every February, every February, every Sunday, every Sunday in February, Metro Taco, one hundred two fifteen Metropolitan Avenue, Forest Hills, New York, one one three seven five, from about twelve to eight thirty. We'll be pumping out Italian, really awesome, homey, fun, delicious food. Uh, The menu's set up where it's not going to break anyone's wallet. Uh, I'm not in it right now to make any money. I'm in it to like make people really happy and 
show that this is a real concept that I can grow. Um, so just come on out, support me. Oh, I, MikeyPomodoro.com. I launched my website. Oh, and you've got some t-shirts uh, on there. You yeah. Some, some merch. Oh, my God. The merch I was awesome. getting sub – you know what a subtweet is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was getting that, but like on an Instagram story. By who? From these – my two uh, former coworkers, my two Italian coworkers. Why? They were mad about my Gabagool shirt, said it was offensive. Oh, come on. I laughed. Audibly. I mean, are they are they Italian Italian or are they Italian American? They're Italian Italian. It has nothing to do with Italians. I mean, that's fine. It's a it's an Italian American thing. You can't. You yeah. Can't get like, I'm, I mean, I'm Italian American. I'm not offended by it. It's funny. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, all right. The, the Mikey Pomodoro shirt itself throws fire. The designs. My my artist really knocked it out. She crushed it. Nice. 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 Yeah. All right. So, well, hey, thanks, uh, thanks, thanks for joining the podcast, Mikey Pomodoro. <laughs> Anytime, Mig- Migaluzzi, Migaluzzi Pomodoro. <laughs> um, all right. So we're. I don't know when we're gonna release new episodes, but like I said, I think um, we're gonna start. We're gonna concentrate on doing some interviews and more like pre-produced stuff instead of having people live on the show. And so we're gonna try to you know get some episodes uh, in the can and get them released released soon but in the meantime go buy some uh chicky parm sliders and go to mikey pomodoro and go to notafoodie.com and and uh that's it so all right well here's to a 2021 and <laughs> eat well <laughs> all right tom i'll catch you soon all right take care mikey bye bye